You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org. Don't you appreciate the leadership of Zach? Can we give the Lord a hand for Zach? And God, man, so amazing. Got to have dinner with him tonight. And just to hear his heart for you, he loves you and loves the Lord. And what a great gift to this body of believers that Zach is. And so we want to just honor the Lord in that. And uh, it is a joy to be here. Um, I want to tell you, before I kind of dive into tonight's message, I want to tell you about my most important ministry, um, and that's my family. Everything else I do is from the overflow of that. I have a wonderful, godly wife named Casey, and we've been married for 13 years. Whoop, whoop, yeah. And uh, we have five kids that are 11 and under. So that is a prayer request. Amen. All right. So our oldest is our daughter, Reagan. She is 11 and she is a redhead. That tells you a lot. All right. Our next one down is our daughter, Harper. She is six. Our next one down is our son, Titus. He is four and adopted from Uganda, Africa. And then our next one down is our son, Elliot. He is two and adopted from here in Texas. And then our youngest is our daughter, Glory. She is four months old and adopted from here in Texas. That's my most important ministry. Everything else I do from the overflow of that. So my family brings you greetings tonight. True honor and joy to be here. If you have your copy of God's Word, and I hope that you do, turn to Acts chapter 19. The book of Acts chapter 19. It will also be on the screen. Acts chapter 19 is right after Acts chapter 18. Does that help anybody? All right. Acts chapter 19. As you're turning there, um, overflow, um, I was so excited to hear about you. Um, uh, Wade Morris is a good friend of mine, and so he was telling you, Pruitt, this is going to be your favorite thing to preach in a long time. He was bragging on y'all so much, so I'm so excited to be here. So I asked Zach if I could do this. He gave me permission. So I want to give you a free gift tonight. I have written a 60-day devotional that goes through the four Gospels, so I want to offer that to you tonight for free. If you will text my name to that number, 444-999, and follow the prompts you get back, then you can get an ebook devotional um, on your phone, tablet, whatever you got. If you have a flip phone, we have not developed a version for that yet, all right? Um, but we are working on it, I promise, all right? So if you want to do that, follow the text you get back and those prompts, and you can download that devotional for free. All right, Acts chapter 19. Uh, how many of you um, are athletes or you're an athlete when you were growing up? Any athletes in the room, all right? How many of you, you think you're athletes, but not really, all right? Well, you will find out the older you get, the better athlete you once was in your own mind, all right? So I was an athlete. Uh, basketball was my sport. And I grew up playing basketball my whole life. Um, but I'm going to tell you about the greatest sports moment of my life. It actually happened three years ago. I was preaching a student camp in South Texas. It was during the day. They were doing a three-on-three basketball tournament. It was the championship game. So a little over half the camp is out watching this game. So there's about 600 high school students out watching this game. After the game ends, I walk on the court. The guy who has the ball, I say, yo, bro, pass me the ball. He throws me the ball. I catch it at half court. I kid you not, right there at half court. I spin around. Don't aim. Don't line up. Don't do anything. I just spin around. I throw the basketball over my shoulders like that toward the goal. Because I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? If I airball it, then I'm like, so what? I didn't even aim. Half court, backwards. Come on. But if I make it, then boy, you know what I mean? I kid you not, I catch the basketball. It was this moment of glory. Like everything just like slowed down. You know what I mean? I catch it, spin around, 
throw the ball over my shoulders in front of all these high school students, and if I'm lying, I'm dying. This ball flies through the air, goes right in, swished it in front of everybody, all right? Now, what would have been the normal thing to do is to lose my ever-loving mind, right? To go, did you see that? Can you believe that? But no, you got to act like you've done that mess a thousand times, you know what I mean? (laughs) So I didn't say anything, I didn't do anything, I didn't smile, I just walked off the court. As I'm walking off the court, there's this ninth grader, and this ninth grader, as I'm passing by him, he looks up at me, and I don't say a word, I just wink at him. And as I walk by, he's like, who are you? Like I blew his freshman mind, all right? Now, here's the deal. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has always existed, took a mission trip from heaven to planet Earth and became a man to die as a man for mankind, but he never stopped being God. And so his life, he is doing a lot of things in three years that is blowing people's minds. Think about it. He's causing the blind to see. He's causing the deaf to hear. He's causing a handicap to get up and walk. That one's very personal to us because our four-year-old son from Uganda is in a wheelchair. He walked on water. He calmed the storm with his voice. He fed over 5,000 people with two fish sandwiches. Subway has nothing on that brother. Amen? <laughs> and so he is attracting these large crowds. And these crowds are beginning to follow Jesus. But here's what's interesting about those crowds is that in those crowds were two kind of people. They all had a respect for Jesus. They knew there was something different about him. So yeah, there was people, very few, the Pharisees that wanted to kill him. But for the most part, the crowds all respected Jesus. But in that crowd that respected Jesus, there were two kind of people. There were those that were fans of Jesus and those that were followers of Jesus. Fast forward 2,000 years later. Here we are in Denton, Texas, in a room with hundreds of college students. And the chances are everyone in here respects Jesus. But in this room, in a room this size, there's two kind of people. There's fans of Jesus, and then there's followers of Jesus. And what's the difference? A fan of Jesus does what fans do. They're not really in the game. They kind of respect the game from a distance. Where do fans sit? They sit in the bleachers, and they're at a distance. And fans sit in the bleachers away from everything. They kind of respect the game. They cheer when everything's going right. They get mad when it doesn't. They're eating nachos, getting nacho cheese on their bellies. They're kind of from a distance. A fan of Jesus does the same thing. A fan of Jesus has a respect for Jesus. They go, man, Jesus has got a cool beard. I love the idea he died on the cross. I love the idea that I might get to go to heaven one day. Uh, Man, Jesus is good when it's convenient for me. See, a fan of Jesus wants to respect Jesus from a distance. So a fan of Jesus would say, Jesus, I'll give you some Sundays. I'll give you some Tuesday nights at Overflow. I'm going to respect you from a distance. When things are hard, I want to be able to jump into your lap and you catch me and rub my head and tell me it's okay. But I really don't want you to mess with my life. I want to stay at a distance. Jesus, I got respect for you, but I don't really want to go all in. I don't want to be a Jesus freak. I don't want to be odd for God. So I want to respect you from a distance. So at the end of the day, Jesus, I'll give you what I'll give you when it's convenient, but don't really mess with my life. Don't mess with my friends. Don't mess with who I date. Don't mess with what I do with my body. Don't mess with what I watch with my eyes. Don't mess with what career I'm doing. Don't mess with my degree. Jesus, don't mess with my life. I'm going to respect you from a distance. 
Here's the problem about being a fan of Jesus. Hear me. If you hear anything tonight, hear this. Never, never, never did Jesus ask anyone to be his fans. What did he say? Hey, Peter, won't you come be my fan? Is that what he says? What does he say? Come and what? Follow me. See, Jesus is calling for followers, not fans. How are followers different? Followers are this. They realize this. I was lost, met Jesus. Now I'm found. I'm all in. I was dead, met Jesus. Now I'm alive. I'm all in. I was an orphan because of sin, met Jesus. Now I'm a child of the living God. I'm all in. A follower of Jesus is up close. They're personal. They're all in. They realize Jesus is not just their Savior. He's their Lord, meaning he's boss. He's king. He's master. He's el jefe. All in. And watch this. A follower of Jesus who is all in will get rid of anything that gets in the way of that. Anybody that's trying to follow Jesus all in will get rid of anything that gets in the way of that, and they will get rid of anything that is tripping them up as they're trying to follow Jesus. So let me ask you this tonight. Are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Jesus? Jesus asked no one to be his fans. And if you're a follower tonight, let me ask you this. What is getting in the way of you being all in? What is tripping you up as you are trying to follow Jesus? I want you to see this in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 11. This is one of my favorite stories from Scripture. It is serious, but it's also seriously funny. So I want you to see this. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. You're going to see two kinds of people in this text. You're going to see a follower of Jesus who's all in, and then you're going to see a group of brothers who are fans of Jesus, and I want you to see what happens to them. All right, look at Acts 19, verse 11. If you're with me, say, "Uh Uh uh-huh. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready? Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm so glad you got to sit next to me. Tell them that. All right. Awesome. Cool. Check this out. Acts 19, verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles. Who was doing it? Turn to your neighbor and say, God was doing it. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So God was doing the work, but who was God using? Paul. Look at verse 12. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. So here is Paul. Paul is all in. He's a follower of Jesus. Even when it's difficult, even when he is being beat up and wounded, he is all in. And God is doing extraordinary things through the life of Paul because Paul is all in. He's a follower. And I know what you're saying. You're like, well, Shane, of course. He's the Apostle Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. That's a big deal. Of course, God's going to use him. How many of you have ever felt like this before? Shane, God can't use me because of things I've done in my past. Have you ever felt that way before? I'll raise my hand. Have you ever felt that way? God can't use me because of things I've done in my past. Do you know what Paul did in his past? Paul had a name, and its name was Saul. Do you know what Saul did? He persecuted Christians. He oversaw their arrest. He oversaw their murder. Paul had a past, and yet God was doing extraordinary things through him. Listen, we have a very real enemy. We'll talk about this in a moment. His name is Satan. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not after the world. He already has them. He's after you. He wants to kill your joy. 
He wants to destroy your joy. He wants to steal your witness. He wants to kill your walk with Jesus. And you know what the number one tool he uses against you is? Your past. What does he say? Hey, God doesn't love you. Remember how you did this. Hey, the church doesn't care about you. Remember how you did this. Hey, you can't be used in overflow. Remember how you did this? Satan's always bringing up your past. How many of you say, man, he's always bringing up my past? Hey, this one's for free tonight. The next time Satan brings up your past, bring up his future. He loses. You have victory in Christ. He is a defeated foe. And so you say, man, my past. No, 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 no. Lay that down. And maybe you say, well, well, man, God can't use me because I'm not smart enough. Or I'm not rich enough. Or I'm not popular enough. I don't know enough. How many of you ever felt that way? That God can't use me because I don't know enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not popular enough. Nobody knows me. I don't know enough Bible. Listen, everybody look at it. Everybody meet eyes with me. Look at me. Hear me. God is not looking for all-stars. He already has an all-star. His name is Jesus. God is just looking for ordinary people who will go all in and put their yes on the table and follow the all-star named Jesus. God does extraordinary things through ordinary people every day who are all in. They're followers. Are you all in? And maybe you say, I don't think God can use me. I'm too jacked up. Well, if you feel that way, you're in good company. I want you to hear this. Abraham was too old. Jacob was a liar. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. Elijah was depressed. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ three times. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced a lot. Zacchaeus was too short. Paul was too legalistic. And Lazarus was dead. Maybe you feel God can't use you. You're in good company. God does extraordinary things through ordinary people who are all in. Are you all in tonight? And if not, what's getting in the way of that? What's tripping you up as you try to follow Jesus? That's who he's looking for. He's not looking for fans. But I want to show you an example of what happens to people who want to be fans of Jesus. Now look at verse 13. If you're with me, say, "Uh uh-huh. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready for this. Look at this. It says, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So let me kind of set the table for you. These are seven brothers. They have a dad named Sceva. These are known as the sons of Sceva, but they're grown men. Turn to your neighbor and say, seven grown men. That's going to be important to remember that. Seven grown men. Like they got beards. They grill their own steaks. Like these are grown men, all right? Seven of them. And their itinerant Jewish exorcists means this. They traveled around, and they were exorcists. They were not followers of Jesus. They were not born again. They did not worship Jesus as Lord and Savior. They would go around, and they were exorcists, and it was a money-making scam. So they had come across somebody who was demon-possessed. How did they know they were demon-possessed? I don't know. I doubt it was like Hollywood. I doubt the person was like, I don't know, all right? But these seven grown men would go up to somebody who's demon-possessed, and they would say, for a certain amount of money, we'll exercise the demon out of you. It was a money-making scam. So I want you to look at what happens to these guys. 
These were itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. Here's the problem. They were not followers of Jesus. They were not born again. They did not have the Holy Spirit of God inside of them. They were fans of Jesus. And you say, well, Shane, how do you know that? Well, look at what they say. They took to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying this, I adjure you by the Jesus whom we know and worship. Is that what your Bible says? We adjure you by Jesus whom we follow. Is that what your Bible says? What does it say? Demon. Like, I can say it. All right, this guy's like, they're like, Demon. Come out of this man by Jesus, not whom we know, not whom we follow, not whom we worship, by Jesus, whom that brother over there talks about. They see Jesus using Paul, so they're like, man, we're a fan of Jesus. We don't know that Jesus. So demon, come out by Jesus, whom Paul proclaims, who Paul knows. So let's talk about this real quick. Let's sidetrack this for a moment. Fans of Jesus worship Jesus through other people. Let me say that again. Fans of Jesus worship Jesus through other people, meaning this. Let me ask you this. Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Or is Jesus for you just whom Zach talks about? With whom these guys sing about? Whom your friends talk about? Because here's the deal. One day you will draw your last breath. I read a statistic not too long ago. It said this. One out of one dies. We're not getting out of that. (laughs) You will draw your last breath. And you will stand before your creator. And it will not be you and Zach. It will not be you and your small group leader. It will not be you and your friends. It will not be you and your pastor. It will not be you and your parents. It will be you. Do you know Jesus? These guys just knew Jesus because of what Jesus was doing in Paul's life. They were fans. So evil spirit, come out by Jesus whom that brother knows, whom that brother worships, whom that brother follows. Look at verse 14. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Scaba were doing this. Turn your neighbor and say, remember seven grown men. Look at verse 15. But the evil spirit answered them. Here's the deal, man. You want to play games with the enemy? Sometimes the enemy answers you. Let's talk about this. We have a very real enemy out there. And our enemy is not the guy who stole our girlfriend in seventh grade. Our enemy is not our rival school. Have you ever gone to a school that has a rival school? I did. All right. I grew up in Lorena, Texas, a little small 3A school. We were Lorena Leopards, and we had a rival school that hated Robinson Rockets. And we had a chant for Robinson that went like this, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, Robinson women look like men. That was our chant. Couldn't stand them. (laughs) Couldn't stand them. But that's not our enemy. We have a very real enemy. His name is Satan. And listen, can we talk? Let's just talk as a family for a moment. Most of us approach Satan in one or two extremes. What I mean, one extreme is this, is we blame everything on Satan. Do you know people like that? They blame everything on Satan? Like they think a demon is behind every rock and crevice and is always out to get them? They're like, man, Satan is attacking me because my VCR broke. And you're like, no, bro, that thing's 30 years old. (laughs) They're like, man, Satan's after me. My air conditioning went out. No, we're just spoiled Americans. Stop giving him credit for things. But if I'd be honest, most of us live in the opposite extreme of that. We almost live our life as though he doesn't even exist. You've got to realize we're in a spiritual warfare. And if you're a child of God and you're trying to pursue Jesus and follow Jesus, there's a big target on your back. 
Listen, and Satan is not a little cartoon figure. He's not a little red man with a pointy tail and a pitchfork going around poking people. I don't think he's scared of tacks. Remember that song when we were kids? And if Satan doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. What? Sit on a tack. As though Satan's like, not tacks again, right? <laughs> he's out to kill you. He's out to destroy you. And here's the deal. is You by yourself, he is stronger than you. And he's been around a lot longer than you. And my dudes, where's my dudes at? Make some man noises. Where's my brothers at? Where's my dudes? Listen, guys. Hey, listen, guys. Hey, listen, guys. And some of us, we think we're tough. And we're like, man, this Jesus stuff, that's for wimps. I don't need that. I'm tough. I got some facial hair. I kill my own dinner. I'm tough. He will whoop your tail. Maybe you're a girl here and you're like, I'm tough. I got some facial hair. No, I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> Listen, he will whoop your tail. He is stronger than you. He's been around a lot longer than you. He is more wise than you. But here's what you need to know. Is that if Jesus is your king, he is terrified of Jesus. And this is good theology. Satan and Jesus are not equals. They're not playing a chess match. One day Satan will bow at the feet of King Jesus. And he that is in you is stronger than he that is in the world. So I want you to see that in this light here. So they're playing games here. Fans are about games. And these guys are playing games, but this is no game. Look at verse 15. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know. 